Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Up is our fifth anniversary. Our fifth anniversary as Destiny Church will be celebrated on Sunday morning, June 5th. And uh, we're going to have... It's going to be June 5th, right? Or is it? No, it's June 5th. Sorry, Aaron. Did I give you the wrong date? It's June 5th. We have a month to prepare for it. So it's going to be June. It's June 5th. And, uh, and uh, we're, going to have, we're just going to have a great time. We've asked uh, KB Bounce Party, uh, Kelly, to take care of all of our inflatables and cotton candy. And we've hired a professional face painter. I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, it'll be something more than me with a Q-tip painting a cross <laughs> on your cheek. It'll be something a little more, uh, lots of fun, all out on the, all on the basketball court. We're going to have just a wonderful time of celebration. We're going to feed you all lunch. Uh, we're going to make sure that our neighborhood is invited to come for a free lunch, too. It's just going to be a great, great time on Sunday morning, June 5th. Now, the super cool thing about that particular date is. I, I don't consider myself to be um, super well-versed in history, but I do like old things in history. And so I have never had the opportunity to be involved in a time capsule. So we are going to plant a time capsule. We're going to bury a time capsule four feet in the ground. And if you know where Joseph stood out here on the corner before we purchased the building right out here, we're going to dig a hole four feet deep. We're going to rent a little backhoe, which is going to be my present to me. Uh, we'll rent a little backhoe so I can dig a hole because I've never done that and it looks like so much fun. I'm going to dig a hole four feet deep. That's the plan, at least at this point. Uh, and we're going to fill this. This is a safe. Because I looked at time capsules that were available for purchase and they were way too small. I said, if you're going to bury something for 50 years, because they're going to dig it up in 2067 on our 50th anniversary. So you either may or may not be around on that day. Uh, but we're going to, we're going to um, dig a hole. We're going to put our stuff in here. We're going to close it up, lock it up. And, well, it's airtight, just for those of you that are super concerned. It's airtight, fireproof, waterproof. It's all of that. It's going to be... Then we're going to hermetically seal it. And again, not quite sure what that word means, but it will be airtight, sealed up with plastic. And then all the directions on how to open it, or they'll just use a torch or something, maybe 50 years. They can just look at it and go like that or something. Who knows? Technology is awesome. And uh, in there will be things, not just that I have placed there, but I want all of you to be a history maker and write something. Um, I personally, I'm going to try to write mine longhand, printing. Cursive, they probably, they'll think it's hieroglyphs. They won't even know what cursive is in 50, right? Right? So I'll have to print, I'll have to print, but, but here's, here's what you want to know. Um, try to get acid-free paper. So we're not talking a thousand years, it's just going to be 50 years from now, but it'll last better on acid-free paper and you just, you know, go to the office store or whatever. Most of your printer paper at home has some sort of acid in it and it just deteriorates faster. Just think of an old newspaper that's exposed, you know, that's very inexpensive paper. It gets brittle and brown. 
So acid-free paper is a good idea. Doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be any expense at all. But if you if you want to uh, write longhand, I would suggest a uh, a um, a pen that has ink in it that's considered archival. Archives. Uh, or places where things are stored. So archival ink, they're not hard to find. You can get one for a couple bucks. They're not like $25 or like a dollar and a half at the office supply store. Just archival ink. Um, and that way it'll make sure and be super sharp and crisp. You can use a ballpoint pen. You can write on the back of a napkin. I don't care. But here's what the, pri- here's what the parameters are. You get one piece of paper per member of your family. So you got seven people in your family. You get seven sheets of paper. Eight and a half by 11. Right? How many kids you got now, David? What are you up to? You're like 37 now, right? Where's the Cook family? What do we have? The Cook family gets 27 pages. But yeah, I'll get a piece of paper. I don't care if you write on both sides or whatever. Pictures, you, put your, you can print pictures on that. You can what, take pictures to it, whatever. But that's what's going to go in here. And then we're going to put some other stuff in there. Newspaper article from the day that we began. Some more historical documents. And then things about, you know, what the day is like and what this place is like and so on. So in 50 years, your grandkids or your great-grandkids will go, oh, wow, my Uncle Larry wrote this and so on and so forth. So that's, I'm very, very, very excited about that. And that's going to happen on our anniversary date. We're going to bury it out as part of the whole parking lot celebration. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go do that. So that, that's super cool. Are you excited about that? I'm kind of excited about it. I think that's going to be super fun. That's going to be super fun. Uh, another thing I want to uh, uh, talk to you about is um, this building that's over here to our north. It's called Dawson Hall. And on the back side of it, there's another building, which is Science Labs. It's called Weaver Hall. It is about 44,000 square feet, 44,000 square feet. This building is 32,000 square feet. So you just you can have a reference point. It's a third. It's 30% larger than this building. Um, it does not have a large auditorium like this, but it has loads and loads of classrooms and offices. And so um, that, up until recently, had not been uh, sold yet, but the opportunity came to purchase that property and uh, turn it into a dream center. Now, if you're not, a, some of you know what a dream center is, that's cool. Um, a dream center is a very broad umbrella uh, of a term that covers all kinds of ministries. Specifically, what's going to happen there is uh, education. And it's going to be education of, of, of a myriad, uh, manifold types of education. I'll get into that in just a second. But the dream center um, comes uh, as, a, as a standalone ministry apart from what Destiny is, but will be part of us in that I would like us to be the people that launch the Dream Center. So this means your time, talent, and treasure sewed into this neighborhood, into this campus, to see this thing go to the next level. And I, I'm, I, it's, a very large, it's a very large facility, but um, I was reminded yesterday that everything with God always starts out very small. And so this started out years ago, three years ago, with a dream of mine uh, to have a dream center. And some of you uh, who were part of that uh, know the story there, going to Peoria and touring the dream center there and wanting to make a difference in the lives of young people. Educating them, uh, first of all, in, and by that I mean junior, senior high school kids, teaching them the trades, teaching them how to do plumbing, how to do electrical, 
how to do uh, carpentry, how to work on a small engine, how to do automotive repair, uh, perhaps culinary um, arts, teaching them how to cook, work in the service industry, how to be uh, a person behind the desk at all the hotels that we have when conventions are here, and be a feeder uh, into the workforce and be a feeder to perhaps places like MTI and so on and so forth. Just a wonderful thing for kids that maybe not be college bound, but yet are good with their hands and they want to be educated and, and help them be off the streets and learn really valuable tools, but not just here turn a wrench, but turn small engine repair perhaps into a small business. Where now people drop off their lawnmower and for a donation, these kids will work on it with a mentor, figure it out, get a donation, but then track the name, send a receipt, get an email, track parts, learn all the things that it takes to run a business because, you know, they don't always teach you that stuff in school. Now, granted, we have Sandy Hooper, who's the world's best teacher in the world, and we got to praise the Lord for born-again, on-fire Christians that are in the school district, that are making the difference that they can make, right? But then a lot of times, schools, schools do fall short, and they don't, and they, I mean, I graduated high school not knowing how to balance a checkbook. I don't know about you. But teaching those life skills as well, I think, is very, very important. Um, then we want to reignite what was uh, Springfield Bible Institute, Fivefold International School of Ministry, and uh, a reiteration of that as Fivefold University that will start in the Dream Center as well. And then thirdly, besides those two uh, avenues, thirdly would be an element that would augment primarily homeschoolers, even PS 186 folks. Um, I don't know if you know this, but we have five of our staff that homeschool their children. So it's very near and dear to our hearts and um, in the community at large that, and, and, and this is, I mean, I'm in the process right now of, of interviewing somebody to be the director of that um, and offering them the whopping salary of zero. And they're interested. Isn't that great when people have passion, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, to say, okay, let's take the month of January and we're going to learn about biology and we're going to learn about bugs or, and, and we're going to, you know, from caterpillars to cocoons. No, Grandpa, they're not cocoons. They're called crystallists. Thank you, Davina. And uh, I said, look at those. I had her in the car. There. I said, look at those clouds. Aren't they beautiful? She goes, they're vapor. I said, okay, great. Thank you very much. They're vapor. Homeschoolers, got to love them. So, uh, but to augment to come together maybe on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday from nine to noon to teach a more structured type of class that uh, will be beneficial to uh, that age group as well. So lots and lots of things. Also offering room for other not-for-profits that may not be able to afford stick and, uh, brick and mortar, a stick building, and say, listen, we've, we've got plenty of rooms. You can have an office here and, and, or it has a chapel in it. We'd be able to have small weddings perhaps in a chapel. I mean, it, it really is endless, the possibilities there. And because it was offered to us at such a, a, a wonderful price that I just really couldn't say no to it, even if we can't open it this fall, which is, you may see, well, that's a long ways away. Well, remember what this place looked like before we started? Right, it takes time, takes energy, takes finance, takes all of those things. So um, even if we can't open it this fall, we will do our best to open it as, as quickly as possible so that uh, we can make a difference in our community. Um, and the beautiful thing about it is, I don't know, you know, when you live in a house, you may have once in a lifetime opportunity to buy that vacant lot next to you or that house next to you 
because once somebody moves in, it's going to be whatever, and I don't know who's going to move in there and what they're going to do to the place and who they're going to be. I would want it to be awesome, but if in three or four years we decide that, yeah, we do want it, if they try to sell it, it's going to be a lot more than that. So uh, that's, that's our hope. That's our goal. That's really what we want to see happen uh, with Dawson Hall, which is attached to Weaver. And that's, that's a lot of stuff. I just want to give you one, one final thing. And that's the acronym for the word DREAM, D-R-E-A-M, to deliver help to one's body, soul, and spirit, to remove barriers educationally, socially, and economically, to educate, which is the biggie for me, teaching trades, life skills, and Bible knowledge, to affiliate, in other words, connect individuals to other helpful organizations and services around the community, and then finally the letter M is to motivate, to learn them to teach them, rather, to uh, be a contributing member of society, to find purpose, to stay healthy, and then give back to the community. Um, we really, I mean, the Boys and Girls Club, the Salvation Army, um, Miles, help me with the place we went to, the outlet. I mean, we're not trying to do anything they're doing. We're not trying to duplicate anything. That's silly. We want to do something fresh and new, and uh, for new wine, it takes a new wineskin. And we believe that that's what that is. So you're going to hear more about that coming up. So today, today's message is entitled, How to Make History. And as I thought about how to make history, uh, there's a few moments of time that come to my mind. And the first, of course, is the life of Jesus Christ. When he was born, uh, when he was uh, crucified, when he died, and when he rose again. That being said, and that being the hallmark, um, a few of my favorites, 1450 is a date that you may not be aware of, but that is the date of the invention of the most incredible thing of the last millennia of time, which is the printing press. And that was in Gutenberg, Germany. And uh, uh, we've had an opportunity to be there. It was the equivalent of the... Uh, the man Gutenberg, it was the equivalent of the microchip for the last, for the last century. Then uh, about 60 years later, Martin Luther brought reformation to the Catholic Church, and that's why you're in this room today. That was in 1517. My dad lived in, in uh, Lexington, Massachusetts for a while. I had a chance to go out there and see the place where the very first shot was fired in the Revolutionary War on April 19th. 1775, quite historic, historic. Then less than a year later, 1776, the signatures appeared on the Declaration of Independence. Historic, talking about history. Those are historic things, historic documents. One that you may not be as familiar with if you don't remember your high school geography class is promontory, prom, promontory, promissory, promissory, something like that, Promontory Point Summit. Anyway, you can see how well I remember this. It's out in Utah, but it's where the Transcontinental Railroad came together. Anybody remember Transcontinental Railroad? And what did they do at the joining where the east of the, of the railroad tracks met the west of the railroad tracks there in Utah, just north of Salt Lake City? I'll remember the name of it here in a minute. But they drove a what? A golden spike. A golden spike, a real golden spike went in the ground there. And, and that was historic. I happen to uh, live in a town called Blue Earth, 
Minnesota. I lived there for four years or so, uh, pastoring my very first church in rural Minnesota. And our claim to fame, besides having a 60-foot-tall Jolly Green Giant statue in our town, because we, grow, because we grew beans and corns for Libby. Libby, Libby, Libby on our table, table, table. Jolly Green Giant. That's where the, that's where the plant is. Our, oh, see, now it's coming to you. But anyway, Interstate 90, if you know, is transcontinental. It goes from east to west. You can be on Interstate 90 all the way across the country. The middle point is in Blue Earth, Minnesota. Ah, and the highway right in front of Blue Earth, Minnesota, there's a huge patch about the size of this room across here of gold-colored asphalt. And there's no marker or anything. It's just... You just drive across and all of a sudden the, 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 it's like they spilled all the yellow paint in the middle of the road or something. And yeah, I wonder what that's there for. Well, it was a historic day back in, uh, I'm going to tell you, September 23rd, 17, uh, no, excuse me, 1978. The Golden Stake went in the railroad 1869. Blue Earth was 1998, a few years later. Boston. A laboratory, 1878, 1878. So it's after the Civil War, and at the turn of the century. And Alexander Graham Bell leans into a little microphone and says, Watson, I need you. Come here. What did he do? He invented the telephone. First time that a voice has been transferred over electrical wires. Before that, it was all Morse code. Anybody know what that is? Try again. SOS. Thank you. Some of you are very smart people. That's the only one I know. A date that will live in infamy. Eight naval ships sank that day. 2,400 soldiers on Pearl Harbor Day. The 9-11 of our parents generation, the atom bomb in 1945, the Enola Gay dropped the atom bomb on Hiroshima, Japan, not just historic, but horrific. Oxford University, British medical student, he turned out to be a brain surgeon later, his name, Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister was the first human being ever to run a mile in under four minutes. That happened on May 6th, 1954. Historic. Now, a little closer to my, my, my uh, timeline of life, because things that are, you know, when things that are happened before you were born are a little harder to get your mind around, but when they happen and you see it, Motown 25th anniversary celebration, there's only three stations on television. If you have a DVR, it's flashing 12 because you haven't programmed it. Yes. <laughs> Michael Jackson, at age 25, comes out and does the moonwalk. Historic. Historic. Everybody I knew was trying to do the moonwalk from then on out. It's crazy. I was alive during the Apollo 11. Neil Armstrong walked on the face of the moon, 240,000 miles away. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The eagle has landed. <laughs> Historic. So why take all the time to talk about that? Those are, those are historic events. Well, here's what I want to say. The definition of historic is simply that it's in the past. So every date since the beginning of time, since time has been recorded, every date, pick a date, 
That is an historic date for some reason or another. For example, what day were you born? Say your birthday out loud on three. One, two, three. Wow, 300 historic dates right there. That was historic. That was an historic day. As your mother said, as your dad said, it was historic. For you, too. We use this phrase. Today will go down in history. Uh, well, yeah, every day does. So that's not a very, it's not, that's not a very strong lead public speaker. Every day goes down in history. What that means then is this. That tomorrow, today, will have been historic. C.S. Lewis says this. History is a story written by the finger of God. So I'm going to give you a few scriptures. You can write these down. These would be good ones for the front of your Bible. Talking about how God moves history. Proverbs 16, 1. The man, the man belongs, uh, to the man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply. Proverbs 16, 9. In the heart, a man makes his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Proverbs 20, 24. A man's steps are totally free will. He can do anything he wants. Ah, let's think are directed by the Lord. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 21, 1. Finally, here it is. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Great. He, meaning God, directs it like a water course wherever he wants it to go. Amen. History is his story. History is his story. That's the question of the morning. Here it is. If every day is history, how do you make meaningful history? Every day is historic. How do we make it meaningful? Now, I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to tell you about this. But in, in Acts chapter 13, there's a, a portion of scripture where, where Paul is talking, and he, he actually says in just a few verses, 16 places where the Lord's in control of everything. Um, standing up, Paul mentioned or motioned with his hand, and he said, men of Israel, I'm reading from Acts Chapter 13, beginning at verse 16. Men of Israel, you and your Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. Who did it? We did it. We cast votes. No, God did it. God did it. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. How did they prosper in Egypt? Well, we worked hard. No, God made them prosper. He led them out of the country. Who led them out of the country? Well, Moses led them out of the country. No, God led them out of the country. He endured uh, their conduct for about 40 years. Who endured their conduct? Moses and Aaron. And they just said, no, God had to endure their behavior. Verse 19, 
He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their, gave their land to his people. Wait a second, I thought that was Joshua in the battle of Jericho and, and all the Israelites and the army and they marched around. Yeah, but God did it. God did it. And gave the land to the people and their inheritance. Uh, all this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges. Well, they cried out and they wanted judges. So then they finally relented and they said, okay, you can have judges like everybody. No, no, God decided you can have judges. Then he gave them, uh, verse number 21, he gave them Saul. Then verse 22, after removing Saul. Who removed Saul? Saul. No, no, no. God removed Saul, and he made David their king. Who made David the king? God made David the king. And it goes on and on and on and on. And I can, uh, oh, here, here's a great, all the way down to verse 30, talking about the resurrection of Jesus. But God raised him from the dead. So, so all, all, just in this whole sermon, it's, it's very illustrative to the fact that no matter what you think you're doing and how in control you think you are, God has got something in store for you and he's moving you to his providential end. Um, I, I, I'm not a determinist and I'm not a, and I'm not a predeterminist uh, and I believe you have free will, um, but at the end of the day, if God wants something to happen, it's going to happen. So, you, so if you want to make meaningful history, here's how you do it. You combine your story to his story. Amen. His story, your story to his story because his story is always for his glory. Amen. That's how you do it. And that's what I want to tell you. That's what I mean. In the year 2067... This time capsule will be opened. 2067. Remember maybe when you were a kid and you thought, oh, the year 2000 is never going to come. Or you said, you know, there's people in this room that were born after the year 2000, you old person. <laughs> right? You thought, ah, that's so far in the future. And then there it was. Then there it was. Crept right up on you. 2067 will be here just like that. And what you write will be pulled out of this safe, will be pulled out of this time capsule. What you, you write, what you write will be pulled out and it will be called an historical document. A piece of history. But will it be meaningful history? Or will it just be you rambling on about you and your cars and your house, and the things that you did, and your trophies and your bank accounts? Or will it truly be memorable history because you combine your story to his story that's for his glory? And it happens like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31b. Whatever you do, do for the glory of God. To glorify God means that you're going to honor God. Here's how you do it. Five ways quickly. Number one, exercise of your faith. What does it mean to exercise your faith? Here, very simply put, you hear a word from the Lord, and rather than, rather than thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, what if the wheels fall off of this? You say to yourself, oh my gosh, what if this succeeds? That's the difference. That's me. When we step out to do something as a church or, or as our family or whatever, I'm never thinking, oh, man, 
whew, I hope this doesn't fail. I'm going, oh man, what if this succeeds? This is gonna be great. This is gonna be awesome. That's exercising faith the right way because when you doubt, it's faith for the negative. Oh, I hope I don't get cancer. You have faith and you're investing it in a negative rather than saying, I wanna, I wanna remain healthy my whole life by the grace of God so I can have my story be part of his story. Number two, love without hypocrisy. Tough one. Deny ourselves. Number four, be filled with the spirit. I have lots to say about all that. I don't have time to go into this. Number five, offer yourselves a living sacrifice. Ooh, a living sacrifice. You lay yourself on the altar. My, my, my founding pastor, my pastor that was my pastor when I first gave my life to the Lord, Pastor Ron Callahan said, he said, the problem with living sacrifices is they get off the altar. Is they crawl right off the altar. <laughs> Dead in the name of Jesus. Okay, next morning, get up and walk right off. Or that afternoon. Or during devotions, Lord, I am dead to myself, I'm alive to you. And then on the way to work, you just crawl right back off the altar and you start living for yourself again. For me, for us, the purchase of the Dream Center gives us an opportunity to do those things. It'll change lives for his glory. We'll be able to bring people to a place of real history in their own lives. Now... That building, 1500 North 5th Street, Dawson Hall, is, there's many beautiful things about this campus, Brinkerhoff Mansion, and what uh, Tony and Ann are doing at the Music Conservatory, and uh, what we have done here, wonderful, wonderful things. But when you drive down 5th Street, excuse me, yeah, drive down 5th Street, I mean, Dawson Hall looks like it is the mothership of, of the campus, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And for us to bring renovation to that, for us to inhabit that, for us to bring the presence of the Lord there, for us to bring that back to a place of, of education, will, be, will it be a jewel for this, for this neighborhood? Yes. Will it be a, a jewel for this campus? Yes, of course. But more importantly, to honor God, it needs to be a jewel for his crown. History is for his glory. And as I alluded to earlier, new, new wine demands new wineskins. I, I mean, that place is a place of history, as this building. This building was built in the 60s. That cornerstone has 1930 on it. So, you know, 95 years ago, when the nuns stood out there and said, we're going to dedicate this to the education of young people, that falls right into what we're about. I mean, our cornerstone, our cornerstone that you walk, have to walk by to get into this room, Scripture talks about us being the restorer of broken walls. The Dream Center, I, I happened to just flip when I was going to go to that and I decided not to. I flipped to the Dream Center passage for me, the, the word the Lord gave me back on August 12th of nineteen. August 12th of 19, the Lord gave me this word about that building. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. It was 
Then said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Then the Lord has done great things for us, and we're filled with joy. Restore the fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping will come back bringing in the sheaves. Yeah. I can only imagine if some of those nuns were here today. I think they'd be thrilled. Our final scripture this morning comes from the book of Joel, chapter 1. Begin at the first verse. It says, the word of the Lord came to Joel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all you who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your forefathers? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children tell it to the next generation. You become a history maker when you heed the words of this statement. And it's really something to think about and live by. You become a history maker when you know the truism that says the best time to plant a shade tree is 50 years ago. The second best time is today. Because in 50 years, someone will look at that tree and said, Someone had some forethought. That tree is historical. And this is near and dear to my heart because just this past weekend, I planted a tree in honor of my brother who had died uh, this past Christmas. Uh, 49 years old. 49 years old. So I planted a tree in his honor. When's the best time to do that? Now. Isaiah 58, 12, our capstone, our cornerstone. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up an age-old foundation and you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's what makes you a history maker. I want to be a history maker. And I think you all want to be a history maker. And a way that, a way that we can have an institution like the Dream Center be our neighbor is if we all partner together. Your time, your talent, your treasure to make it happen. Well, somebody ought to do that. We're stepping up and saying, okay, we'll be history makers. And if we don't see it in year one or year two, by year 50, someone's going to look back and pop this thing open. They're going to go, wow. Well, maybe the Lord will come back between now and then. Well, I would like to be doing the words of the work of the Lord when he comes back. That's what I would like to be doing. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.